Hey everybody, if you already listened to part one, you know that we had to split this episode of Omakase in two because we went a little above our three hour limit. So I'm not going to hit the opening and all that again. I definitely would recommend listening to part one before you listen to this as we go into a ton of detail on how to travel in Japan and all the stuff uh, related to traveling over there and a lot of cool tips I think that will really help you if you've been planning a trip or always wanted to go. Uh, in this one, in part two, we talk all about the shows we went to on the second half of the trip. So we go, you know, we talk about Dragon Gate at Korokin, Dominion, a lot of Naito Ibushi. And then we also have a big mailbag at the end here, including a lot more information on how to go to Japan, including more on the, uh, a ton on the, how to get reserved tickets ahead of time, which I'm sure you'll find very helpful. So this is part two. Please try to listen to part one first, uh, and that's why we're not hitting the opening or anything, but enjoy part two. Let's finally talk about some wrestling. <laughs> we're a half in here. Uh, the the few shows we didn't mention, um, you know, after our last podcast, we, we left off on Wednesday. Uh, we did, you know, Dragon Gate at Corken Hall on Thursday was the first one. Uh, what did you think of that Dragon Gate Corken, Taylor? Um, I thought it was really good. I thought the, um, for the most part, the stuff before intermission was sort of skippable um, until you get to the Okuda uh, Mochizuki stuff in the, which may have been, no, I think that was two before um, the intermission. I think that was really the first match that picked it up. I think the first three matches were sort of just there. I liked Cage um, and Cosmo for like a three and a half in a match. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, but it was so short. It's sort of yeah. like, oh, it happened and now it's done. Uh, the 20th anniversary uh, with Kenichiro um, was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was just and, so cool seeing him back finally. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was a really good match too. I thought it was um, really well done, exciting. Um you know, the red eight-man tag was sort of nothing to me. Uh, that was sort of one of the weaker um, matches on the card. And then the top two, the King of Gate semifinal matches, I thought were both very, very good. Yeah. Um, we can talk about how we got our exercise go moving up and down <laughs> during Ata and Kai when they couldn't get away from our section. Yes, they really, um, they really, really loved our side. We were, we were like in the front row on the hard camera side, so it was sort of our own fault, honestly. But um, you know, it was yeah. We were know, it was a lot, a lot of running away. We were in the splash. I knew sitting down, having you know watched so many Dragon Gate shows, that we were in the splash zone. But then in the very first match, about ninety seconds into the actual show. Uh, someone did a dive and a beer went spilling. Um, and it was sort of, it was Paul's beer, I think. Yeah. It was sort of chaos. And, you know, they had a young boy coming over to give us a towel to clean up the mess. And I said, Oh, maybe they'll (laughs) avoid this section. Um, they came right back after spilling the beer, but (laughs) I mean, they really made up for it in that, um, semi-final match where they were i mean they had to come in our section at least five times yeah uh, the women joe, joe was the, even making fun on the flagship he was like yeah, every time they would just get up every two seconds yeah the women <laughs> next to us were very annoyed even though you know 
I sort of understood why, but it sort of also isn't our fault. Because uh, every time something happened, we'd have to move and stand in front of them, and then they couldn't see. Um, you know, there was a woman in front of us who I don't speak, I don't think spoke any English, but we had sort of a, um, you know, an unspoken connection because every time she would come back to her seat, we would laugh about, oh, you know, we got to get back up. Actually, the two people in front of me disappeared for a while and we thought that they had just given up and left. <laughs> um, but I guess they were smarter than us where they figured that they were going to keep coming back. So went and stood somewhere else for a while. Oh, I said we were first row. We were actually second row. But, yeah, we were yeah. second row. Well, we were actually third row, which was the second row. Yeah. Or the... You know, uh, and then the main event I thought was really great. I had high expectations going in, figuring it would be great. It really was. Yeah. Um, I know talking to Albert, uh, as we were sort of doing our own wrap up, that was his favorite match of the entire trip. Oh, wow. Um, so I thought it was really great. Uh, you know, two guys I really love, maybe the top two guys for me personally, uh, currently in the promotion uh, in Ben K and KZ. I thought it was really great. Definitely something to uh, search out if you can find it, or if you're one of the very few subscribers to the Dragon Gate Network, uh, you can, or you can't see it there anymore. It's now gone. So you have to wait <laughs> till you have to wait another two weeks for it yeah. to come back. Um, Love that Dragon Gate Network. Yeah. Great. Four, four and a quarter, by the way, is what I give I gave it four and three fourths, so I was very, very close to five, um, but just great, hard hitting. Um, you know, Casey sort of uh, doing what he's done very well all year, and Ben K uh, on the rise, and uh, hopefully, knock on wood, on the path to uh, winning the title. Yeah. So. Uh um, so yeah, very strong show. You know, I love Dragon Gate. It's definitely a different um, audience um, than a lot of the other shows that we saw, which is always, you know, fun to have a little bit of a different um, audience and the way they react and, and things like that. Um, so I'm really glad that we could see because we saw the Korokin last time. Um, I was in Japan, which was another great show. This show was great, so I was really glad that um, the timing worked out for this and we could see another Dragon Gate show. Yeah, I had a great great time with that show. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, you know, I really like seeing how... I, I haven't watched a ton of Dragon Gate this year, so it was cool just seeing how everybody's doing. Um, I, I, I was really blown away by how, how much Kai and Cosma with these two like outsiders to Dragon Gate now were able to fit in because they both look great, I thought. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, a really awesome main event and just a great show overall. Uh, but that brings us then to so Friday, we didn't, neither one of us saw wrestling. I saw Japanese baseball, which I, even if you're not a baseball fan, I would recommend doing. I went to the Tokyo Dome to see the Yomori Giants, and um, it's just such a experience you know with the especially with like the you know the, the soccer style chanting that both teams do you know they, they have the road fans that take get an entire section and the home fans it's just 
a totally different experience than going to American baseball. It's the closest thing baseball can come to a soccer game, basically. And then they have all these women bringing you like draft beer and lemon sours right to your seat with these like giant backpack things. It's just so, it's just such a cool experience. Um, I would highly recommend it, even if, you know, again, even if you're not a big baseball fan, if you are a baseball fan, I mean, you have to do it basically. Like it's real, one of the best things you ever do. And, you know, just to see like a, a, com- a very competitive baseball game, you know, it's considered like the, the second best league in the world from what I've read, like right below MLB, but above AAA. Um, but if you are a baseball fan, like there's no excuse not to go. And if you aren't a baseball fan, I still think it's worth it. But um, as far as after that on Saturday, um, we all went to two shows. The first of them was a Tokyo Joshi Pro, the Princess Cup uh, at Shinkiba, which, you know, Shinkiba, we spent a lot of time there on this trip. Uh, it's a very interesting venue, like on the outskirts of uh, of Tokyo. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, I did not expect to spend so much time there, basically, when we first started playing this trip, but I, I don't mind the venue at all. It's just, you know, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to get to. You know, it's like very on the outskirts of Tokyo, but um, yeah, and the the one thing about it, it I really love the venue, um, but sort of spending so much time there, there's not a lot to, you know, if you show up an hour early, there's not a lot around um, to do. You know, it's not like you can go and be like, oh, you know, I'm an hour or an hour and a half early, I'll go to you know, check out a museum or, you know, do anything like that. There was a park that I found that I walked around in, you know, having arrived sort of early to one of the shows. Um, That's really the only drawback because I think the venue itself is really great. I love the venue. It's like a warehouse. basically. Um, Yeah, it's pretty much like an old warehouse that they've turned into a wrestling. I mean, I wish sort of they would do that in New York. Um, cause it'd be a lot better than some of the venues that people use over and over again in New York. Um, but yeah, that's probably the only drawback is that it's sort of in an area by itself that isn't, um, I think without the venue there, you'd probably never, no, you'd never go there voluntarily end yeah. up in that area. Yeah. Of the city. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a train transfer place from like people coming from the suburbs. It's a, you know, like a waterfront shipping yard, and like uh, it's just no reason to go there unless you're going to go to the Shinkiba first drive. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the but in between these two shows, went to it's it's close enough to Odaiba, which is cool, which is like a an area we didn't really talk about that I really like that has like a lot of it's very touristy. It's like an artificial island they built, but it has you know has like a giant a bunch of giant malls that are cool to walk through. Has like a really cool like local food court or like a food court of like a bunch of different local Japanese places with that they have a really cool tempura place there I always go to when I'm there. Um and there's you know there's a that's at the food court that I'm talking about is at the uh at the Diver City Mall. That's the which is my favorite of the malls anyway. But there's multiple malls there. Uh there's around one in that mall. Uh in one of the other malls decks there's a Sega Joyopolis, which is like this indoor amusement park basically that has like these basically these like these things that are like almost between rides and arcade games like there's a you know there's this one game where you like 
can drive like the futuristic car, like you're playing fucking F Zero or something, but you're in like a cylinder thing that will like do spins every time you do like a flip. It's really really cool. Um, there's another thing that's like an indoor roller coaster where you also play like a rhythm game. <laughs> like the thing stops and you like you know they play like a song from Sonic the Hedgehog or uh, something else basically, and you have to like tap your button like to the rhythm, which is you know. My, my lifetime as a rhythm game degenerate finally paid off because I think they, they score you with everybody else in your car and I like whipped everybody else in the car's ass. So, um, but yeah, it's just a really cool little thing to waste time at, uh, waste a few hours at. So that's, that's what we went, did in between the two shows. So it's like only about 20 minutes from Odaiba. So that's something you can do um, if you want to like, you know, you can go there before a Shinkiba show. Uh, but anyway, so Tokyo Jersey Pro, um, this this show, I, I will be honest, was a little disappointing. Um, mostly because I, I really had high, high hopes for the main event tag title match. I thought Niyu Bishiki Goon, you know, Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki have had awesome matches for these tag titles all throughout this entire reign of theirs. You know, a lot of four star matches. And this was this one against Niyu Bishiki Goon, I, I did not think, which was the title change finally, I didn't think it was up to that standard at all. I thought it was like a three and a half star match. Still a good match, but just not up to the up to the standard of the team. Yeah, I feel the same way. I was going to say the same thing that I had really high hopes for the main event, um, and it. I mean, I hate I hate to say this um, because I'm a big Saki fan, um, but I I think if you were to um, say, hey, I need a really great in-ring match um, to really deliver. I'm not sure if she would be the person I would necessarily uh, choose even just out of this roster to put in that spot. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was mainly fine. I think I was probably in the same general range as you in terms of three and a half, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit higher, but yeah, it just didn't really deliver, and I think some of the, um, you know, the two Princess Cup matches, which I sort of also had high hopes for, were mostly fine. See, I think um, I liked them more than you, but I, th- I was like, again, like the three and a half range. So. Yeah. I mean, I would probably be somewhere in there. Um, you know, I'm someone I like Maki Ito, but I'm, and I th- might have... I might have said this before, or maybe I mentioned it, John, to you somewhere else or something, but, you know, I like Ito, but I think there's going to come a time when she has to, you know, I understand some of it's the character of, like, she stinks, um, but I just hope there's a time coming when she can have a match where I don't sort of end it, and I'm just like, oh, Okay. <laughs> like it feels like the character now is built to just have matches that aren't very good to me. Yeah. Um because I like Maki um and I was excited to see her and then I felt sort of the match just was it was just sort of there and I'm like, "Oh, this is becoming a familiar feeling with Maki Ito matches where I'm sort of like, "Hey, this could be good." And then the match ends, and I'm like, well, it was mostly fine. Um, 
so yeah but of course good to see a lot of these um you know a lot of people i'm fans of for the first time in person obviously i saw miyu at the ddt show uh in new york uh, i saw ito as well but seeing you know rika tatsumi and um you know some of the other people that i'm fans of was was very good so when i say it was a little bit of a disappointing show i still had a good time i still yeah. enjoyed myself uh so i don't want to come across as if i was sitting there you know i mean you're never gonna terrible you're never gonna have a bad time in a japanese wrestling show you're you're still on the other side of the world you know you're still getting to see people you never get to see i mean even the worst japanese wrestling show is still going to be a pretty fun time I also, um, it turns out I had a friend um, who happened to be going, uh, who happened to be in Japan at the same time, and we had talked about meeting up, and I had said, you know, I'm going to this wrestling show um, on that Saturday, and they were like, oh, he was with his uh, girlfriend, and they were like, oh, we'll come, and they came, and they saw the show, and they absolutely loved it. I mean, they were raving about it for a while after we went to get food after the show and they absolutely loved it which i really thought was awesome because they totally came sight unseen um to the show just because they knew i was going um so that was really awesome i really enjoyed that and that was that was good to see you know sometimes when i'm like oh the show was a little bit you know i was like oh the show wasn't really as much as I thought, but to see them go, oh, it was so great, and we loved everything. That was really that was really cool to me. Yeah. Uh, the second show of the day we went to was the Hard Hit show, which boy was that an experience. Taylor, why don't you go into that? What was all about? Boy, was, uh... it was. Uh, I loved it. I, I loved it too. I remember in like the second, I don't even remember what the second match was, but I think it was the second match. I just remember being like, this is, this is my thing. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever watched any other hard hit um, yeah. unless I'm totally missing something. Um, but I guess hard hit is a, um, I guess the best way to describe it is it's sort of a, um, it's sort of like a potpourri of different fighting styles uh, presented in a wrestling ring because they had sort of amateur wrestling-esque um, matches. They had a jujitsu match. They had a karate exhibition. Um, and then they had sort of a more traditional tag uh, wrestling match. And then the main event, which was sort of a hybrid of uh, striking and wrestling and um, pro wrestling and a little bit of amateur wrestling. Um, and they even had a uh, posing exhibition uh, right after intermission where two guys got in the ring and just uh, struck <laughs> struck a pose. I guess. Hideki Suzuki, Hideki Suzuki like, was watching that for a little while like from... Uh, like the entryway to the building, and he looked like he was having the time of his goddamn life. It was so much fun. Well, the funniest walking. thing was it was two guys, one guy, and I think the show is coming out. It's making tape tomorrow. Um, 
I think that may be totally wrong, but I had some note that it was making tape tomorrow so people can see this. But, you know, the posing exhibition was one guy who was like, he looked as if you said, this guy is in, you know, muscle competition. I, what do they call them? Bodybuilding competitions. Yeah. You would have been like, okay, I get that. And then the other guy was like, his his name was Macho Monkey or something like that. <laughs> and he was not in bad shape. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say that. If you saw him at sort of your local gym, you'd be like, oh, he's in nice shape. But he was not sort of that bodybuilding um, sort of like very muscular guy you think of when you think of a posing exhibition. You know, the other guy was oiled uh, up and he was wearing this small Speedo, you know, that Speedo you think of when you think of bodybuilding uh, but it was just very funny as, you know, it was like, oh, we're back from intermission and now we're just going to have these two guys come out and uh, strike some poses to music, um, which was uh, pretty, pretty uh, interesting, uh, a delightful, um, a delight. And everything moved very fast. Um, the time limits were very, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I think was the 15 minutes, I think was the main event. Uh, so it certainly moved, went very fast, but I really loved it might be, if not my favorite show of the, of the trip, uh, definitely in probably my top three. Yeah. Um, I had a great time at this show too. I mean, like, like you said, everything just kind of flew by, you know, all those really fast finishes helped a lot. I, I know you really loved this match too. The one, I mean, there were different styles. Even though you think of like a hard hit, you know, like a shoot style, there were different styles of those types of matches. I mean, there was one, which is the, the I guess it was what, like the grappling match or uh, the... The jujitsu like, match? Oh, it's jujitsu, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. A, which is the two dudes in, in like in geese. Like that was one of my favorite matches of the entire show. And just, that was just like an incredible match. Yeah, it was, it was really guys, good. It was just two guys grappling for 10 minutes, basically, but it was so entertaining. Yeah, because uh, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but I don't watch that much um, jujitsu yeah, sparring, maybe. I guess you would call it. I don't even know if that's the right term. But I was, you know, I was watching, and I do know some, you know, things about jujitsu from, you know, picking them up from various places and obviously – um, mixed martial arts obviously grew out of uh, jujitsu or has a sort of jujitsu side to it. So I do know some uh, a little bit, but you know, there would be times I would say, oh, this guy, he, he got the other guy in some maneuver. Uh, so the match is going to be over soon. And then all of a sudden the guy would like flip out of it uh, somehow that I didn't even really understand. And people, the audience would murmur and, um, it was really unbelievable. It was really cool. Uh, so if that show does make tape as I think it will soon, um, I would highly recommend people check out the show. I think what was the, sh like was the show maybe what two and a half hours and that includes the intermission. Yeah. Um, so you could probably get through it in, in two hours. Easy. Those dark matches that with the music playing. Those were so, oh <laughs> yes. There fun. was like four dark matches. I forgot about, uh, the high number of dark matches, but, um, you know, also got to see, had never seen Chijiri live before. So that was fun. Um, 
you know, Aoki was supposed to be on the show originally. Uh, he was originally booked, so that was a little bit of a um, not a cloud over the show, but something that was certainly on everyone's mind. Um, I think they talked about it after the main event um, with Sato, who obviously had the All Japan match a couple days, but obviously that was a big thing for him. I love that main event, the Sato and Hideki. Yeah, that was a great... Um, yeah. Hideki Shrek Sekini. Yeah, Sekini. and I mean... Sekine. Yeah, Shrek was... That's a sweaty, very sweaty man. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone sweat yeah. as much as he did in that match because he came back to the ring and I thought... Well, we thought... I think Kelly and I thought someone had poured water on him at some point, but it was just, he was sweating so much. I mean, they were really, they were really going after each other in the main event. And I really loved the main event too. Um, yeah. I went four stars flat on it. It was awesome. Yeah. I went four and a half. So, uh, okay. So, I mean, definitely if you get to go to a hard hit show, cannot stress enough, make sure you do it. And in general, I said this on Twitter while I was there. I mean, not, you will, you will like get like an, even if you don't follow these promotions, and I don't, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen Hard Hit before either. You know, God knows I'm not up on Gotcha Move, and I went to that too. I mean, you will just, first of all, you'll probably know somebody on these shows because so many people work, so many different promotions that, you know, you're just very likely to know a, a bunch of people, even if you don't watch everything. But even just beyond, if you don't know the people, I mean, you will get like this exposure to the, you know, the sheer amount of variety in the Japanese wrestling scene. And you, you know, we saw Tokyo Joshi and hard hit in the same day in the same venue, two very different promotions. And I just think it's a very cool experience to see all these different promotions and see how much, you know, you know, how different they can be and how, you know, varied the Japanese wrestling scene is, which is one of the things I love about it the most, honestly. Um, yeah. And, and I would say, you know, I've sort of planned or the two trips I've been on have been planned around New Japan shows. But I think the two, I mean, Hard Hit was very memorable. And from our first trip, I i mean, maybe the most memorable show was the YMZ show I went to, which happened, you know, now they have a streaming service and they've really sort of um, built a little audience that, or at least a little English audience that is very into the promotion, but that was before anyone had even really hurt. Anyone knew anything about the promotion. And we went uh, totally on a whim because we had a free night when there wasn't anything else happening. We went to the show and it was so great. I loved it. And that's one of my best memories of that first trip. So even if you go for something like new Japan, you know, don't be afraid to check out, smaller shows even if you've never heard of the promotion before because you may end up really liking it and then it's a new promotion for you to watch yes um so yeah definitely definitely agree um just go to everything i mean yep. that's the best thing i can tell you uh okay so new japan dominion not a small promotion but that's the next thing we saw we went to osaka went to dominion uh don't have to rehash all the dominion takes it's a they're very ice cold at this point. But what I would say is uh, I very much agree with uh, Joe Lanza's rant on last week's flagship about Ibushi Naito. You know, it, it feels like people 
and I've seen people say this on Twitter, like people get their fucking Phaeton couches and their, uh, you know, their crying tissues ready whenever these two wrestle. And yes, they took, you know, they do, I'm not trying to discount the fact they take very serious bumps on their necks, but so do lots of Japanese, like so do lots of wrestlers in general. I mean, Will Ospreay's in the same promotion and he takes many very dangerous bumps, including, you know, a very similar apron bump that also almost kills him at, uh, you know, last year's Sakura Genesis. And I don't remember that match, you know, Osprey and Marty Skrull uh, getting the kind of, like, vitriol that some people have for Bushi Naito because of this apron bump that clearly did not go the way they meant. They did not mean to splatter Kota Ibushi's side of his head on the apron on that German suplex. They clearly meant to apron him in the, or suplex him off the apron and to the floor and have him land on his belly or something, which would have been very, you know, I'm sure also very painful, but clearly was not supposed to be what ended up happening. I think it was one of those, uh, you know, botches that added to the match, if anything, because, you know, it, it obviously looked very disgusting and maybe to some people it took away from the match, but Coda, you know, especially knowing that he was fine afterwards, you know, the way he sold it, you know, just to me is what put it over the top as like, you know, and really made the match. I mean, the match was like built and built and built, you know, it started off a little slower than a few, than, you know, the last couple of matches, but it just felt like the violence just built as the match went on. And, you know, I don't, I, I, by the time it was over, you know, between Coda selling, uh, between just the way the match was structured, I, I went the full vibe on it. You know, and I'm not going to apologize for that either. I loved all their matches. You know, the the other two I went four and three quarters on. I just thought this one was even better. I thought it was better paced. They didn't have, you know, the one quote unquote botch here just ended up looking, you know, more brutal and adding to the the brutality of the match versus the big the botch at MSG. I, I felt like I had, where they like fucked up that whole sequence with the the pile driver thing that ended up just kind of looking stupid. That I thought took away enough that I just subtract like a quarter star. But, you know, here I think it added to the match, if anything. And I thought the match was incredible. And, I, you know, I have no regrets giving this five stars. I thought it was a, a really cool match that I really, really enjoyed. My number two match of the year behind Sari and Mako Satomura. But what do you think of Naito Ibushi and that whole controversy? Um, well, I and I think we've... John, we've discussed this not on this podcast, but I think that I really liked the match. I went four and a half. Um, and I sort of am someone who is, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but sort of accepting of the things that wrestlers choose to do in the ring. Um, I know in that, um, the Ben K KZ match we talked about a little bit earlier. There was a, a shoot headbutt, um, which I'm sure would have um, unnerved some people who were unnerved by this match. Um, but I just think, you know, obviously I feel the way I do, but I have felt for a long time that um, the sort of the current fan landscape of wrestling has become you know there are people who i think view it in a very sport 
like way view it as you know even though obviously the outcomes are pre-planned um view it in the way of sport in the way of a competition in the way of um just in that sort of lens but i think there's sort of a growing um contingent of people who sort of view or who get enjoyment of wrestling from things that don't derive from the sort of athletic or sport aspects of wrestling. Um, you know, they enjoy the personalities, they enjoy the, you know, the outfits, they enjoy the stories um, and things like that. And I think when, that when things like this happen, um, it sort of is a reminder that, oh, this is a physical, you know, as much as you can enjoy the, you know, sort of other aspects, you know, the story and the characters and the promos and things like that, it is a physical sport that they're doing. Um, and so I think it's just an interesting, we're at an interesting point in wrestling fandom where I think there's a growing, I think that that, part of the wrestling fandom is growing and it will be interesting to see because I don't think we'll ever reach a point, especially in Japanese wrestling where they have clearly, or they will clearly do whatever they want, no matter what people say, you know, in a podcast or on Twitter saying, Oh, they'll never do this and they'll break their necks. And, you know, I'll tell them not to do this um, to see how those people react. Um, I mean, I remember when the whole Shibata thing happened, we went through a similar thing where people said, oh, well, we should, you know, no no more headbutts will, should ever happen again in wrestling. And as I just mentioned, we saw one two weeks ago. Um, so obviously they're not going away, but I'm interested to see moving forward, do those people does the continuing reminder of sort of the violence of the sport turn them away from the sport or do they learn to accept that as part of the thing that they enjoy, even though that's not the aspect of this whole wrestling thing that they are looking for? I guess that's, I finished that sort of awkwardly, but um, that's sort of the perspective I come from just because, you know, arguing between they, you know, they shouldn't do this. Oh, they should is sort of a tiring. Yeah. I mean, if you it's don't a wanna... tiring argument and I don't really, I, I feel the way I feel, which is they can do whatever they want because it's them and you know, it's up to them. It's not up to me what they do in the ring. And if yeah. people, someone disagrees, then you can disagree and, you know, go watch something else if people don't want to watch. Well, here, that's the, the go watch something else is what I come down to, where, like, I, I just feel like people have unfairly singled the two of them out. And it's like, yes, they are among the most dangerous, but there are plenty of other people, including in the same promotion, that are also very dangerous that I don't think get anywhere near the level of heat. And Osprey's a big one because, you know, he's got a lot of talk about wrestling the year right now as the runaway winner. And I think he takes many very dangerous bumps, including, you know, one that's very comparable to what Naito Nabushi did in this match on that apron. And I just don't think he gets anywhere near the heat for it. So 
you know, it's, it feels like a double standard at this point. It feels like, you know, when you see the G1 blocks come out, I think Naito Ibushi could very well be the, uh, you know, the final of the G1. And I think people are going to have their fucking fate and couch ready and they're going to be writing their fucking essays and crying after every move. I'm just like, just maybe just don't watch it then, you know? It just feels like some of it is a little bit like, you know, maybe New Japan's not for you. Maybe these two wrestlers aren't for you. But it just feels like it's so... The, the intense critique and like the, you know, they're both on their deathbed stuff just feels like way over rot to me. And it feels like, you know, I don't know. I it feels I, like people are trying to show what great fucking wrestling fans they are and how better they are than the barbarians that watch this. Ugh. It's like, well, maybe, maybe if you, maybe you're really in a WWE and you're just like, these people are destroying their bodies, taking uh, so many goddamn flat back bumps, flat back bumps every you know, every night with this cra- the crazy WWE schedule, but I don't see people getting on their high horse about that. I mean, I'll also say there's there's a difference. This will be the last thing I say, but there's also a difference between people who are like, hey, I don't like this. This is not for me. And sort of the, especially right after the match in the sort of immediate aftermath where there's sort of this thing where people go, it's sort of like a tisk tisk. Like, we've got to make sure that they know better. Like, we've got to teach them to know better, to not do these things, which is sort of like, no, you just sort of have to let them (laughs) do what they... You can say, hey, I don't like this. It's like, okay, that's fine. But when you're like, when will these, you know, when will these people learn? We have to teach (laughs) them because don't they know that they'll injure themselves? By the way, imagine fucking thinking two Japanese wrestlers are going to fucking change anything because of your English language essay or because he gave the match a quarter star on grapple. It's like, oh, okay. Kota Ibushi's really checking the the Paste magazine or whatever the fuck where they publish these essays before he decides what to what bumps to take in his next match. So stupid. But anyway. I think we've said enough about this match, right? Yes, yes. So let's say the rest of Dominion, we're not, you're not going to go match by match or anything. Awesome show, I thought. Um, you know, I just had... A, it was great with the the Kenta walk, walking out. It was a really cool surprise. I know, obviously, it made Twitter explode. But, you know, in the building, people were really, really excited. And you know, the woman behind me, I thought she was going to have a fucking stroke. She was, like, <laughs> screaming so loud. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it was you know, some really cool surprises. A really cool buzz around the G1. Um, you know, the main event was about the, a little bit of a letdown at like three and a half stars, but didn't mean I think it was bad or anything. It just wasn't up to the level of Dominion Main. Um, you know, some other four star matches though. You had, you know, four and a quarter on Ishii Taichi, four and a quarter on Osprey and Dragon Lee. So uh, I went four stars flat on Shingo and Kojima, which was fucking awesome. But just a really great show, uh, a great time in the building. You know, definitely. And Osaka Joe Hall was such an awesome building. Like, just looks like, you know, almost like a throwback to, like, an old-school American arena. It just looked really, really cool in there. So, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the rest of the card or Osaka Joe Hall? Or no, I agree with everything you said, so I'll leave it at that. Okay. So, let's quickly wrap it up for these shows, because we got to do the mailbag still. And we're running a little low on time. Um, you went to Noah. How was that in Osaka? Yeah, so I went to Noah, the second of the Masawa tribute shows. 
it was really great. It makes tape on Saturday. Um, it was really very interesting being there for the tribute show. Got to see the green ring. Obviously, they do the um, announcement at the beginning where everyone throws the streamers. Uh, I would say as for the show itself, really great show. Flew by, and the top three matches, I would say, are defin- definite watches. Um the, the Junior Tag League final, uh, Marafuchi, Tanaguchi, and the uh, tag team title match, uh, heavyweight, um, are all must watch. I went four and a half, four and four and a half. Uh, so really a great show, a great way to end the trip. Um, and, you know, always fun to catch a show outside of Tokyo because uh, I think the buildings they run are, are really interesting and it was a uh, – Good show. I uh, had a good time. Yeah. Uh, in back in Tokyo, I went to Michinoku Pro, which is really cool. Um, that aired live on Samurai TV. Samurai TV, I believe. So you can find footage of that. I mean, honestly, the first four matches really weren't anything that special, but the fifth match, which was the um, you know the this crazy like cage match with. You know, the great Sasuke uh, teaming up with Chikara and Mitsuru Momoda against the Brahmin brothers and uh, Shinobu. And then they had, like, you know, they had gorgeous Matsuno in their corner. And, uh, you know, they also had friggin' uh, U- Ueda, or what the hell's his name? The Oh, God, I'm totally blanking on the guy. U- Ueki, thank you. Guy at the gun from Big Japan. Um, you know, he was there in their corner and he was like really really funny actually um and the other team i think had god who the fuck did they have in their corner they had this little mini wrestler i can't remember his name but but yeah it was a really really cool like just crazy match um it was a catch the flag you know these four flags in the corners and there was this other thing in the middle that was like the tiebreaker because each side got two flags you had to capture through teeth <laughs> which was really weird and then once you know, the catch of the flag portion was over, which the heels won to lead. Like, basically, the losing side had to do the, be the one in the three-on-one handicap match. So, of course, it was great Sasuke against all three of the heels. And, of course, he won in the end, in part because Gorgeous Match there turned on his team. But, you know, they was, it was just a totally crazy match and that totally made up for the rest of the show not really being at much of anything. It was a really cool, uh, you know, bizarre match. And then the last show I went to was DDT in Kyoto. Um, I always wanted to go to a show at Kyoto, KBS Hall, which is like the, that famous building that has like, you know, this giant mural that looks like a it's the stained glass from a Catholic church. Um, so just going to that, getting to go to that venue finally was, was like as big part of the draw as anything. And then DDT put on a really fun house show. So, you know, it's Saki Akai in the main event since it's Kyoto's her hometown. It was her and Hiroshima against uh, against Mao and Asuka, you know, the DT Asuka, or, well, not, she's not DT, Wave Asuka, I guess is the better way to put it. But yeah, I mean, it was a really cool main event, you know, like about three and three quarters, and, you know, just a, a fun house show overall. Nothing like mind-blowing or anything I'd say you have to watch if you're watching on DT Universe, but just a really fun show. Uh, and that was my last show. I left left japan the next day and that's the whole trip so with that out of the way let's talk some questions here and then we'll wrap the show up so it starts out from kelly who of course at comic geek kelly 
He was on the trip. He says, where is the lost episode of Almost Kaze? But you built this up, Taylor, so now you get to tell your story. All right, so here it is, three hours after I initially teased it. <laughs> so when John's mic broke at the Airbnb, I claimed that we could still record using my phone. John did not believe me and walked out of the room. Uh, but as they were out of the room, we began taping episode 100.5 of Wrestling Omakaze, also known as Wrestling Omos Kaze. Uh, I have that audio footage. It's four minutes and 10 seconds long. And once this episode, this episode we're recording right now goes up, I will be posting the four minute and 10, the four minute, 10 second long recording of episode 100.5 on my Twitter Tamambo, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O. So check that out. Once this episode drops, you'll have an extra four minutes and 10 seconds to listen. And <laughs> people, people definitely let, John know, let John know how crystal clear the audio is. <laughs> and uh, hope you enjoy. Look, Nicole and I just wanted to eat. So the microphone break-in was like, whatever. We were going to Yaki Niku, which was... A great like grill your own meats ended up being a great little locals place i don't definitely don't regret that decision to not record on your phone but the people can hear it all four minutes and ten seconds for everybody giggling like idiots um, i do a spot on <laughs> i do a spot on john is oh all yeah I'll say. spot on john uh kelly has a lot of follow-up questions too one how about the hog on shrek it's quite the hog he had quite the hog yes Two, what are your weenie blasting tips? You got to leave them on longer than you think. Because <laughs> if you don't, they they got to get crisp. They gotta Nobody even crisp. knows what the fuck you're talking about. We're talking about cooking sausages. Uh, cooking, the Japanese yakiniko. Uh, yes. Yeah. But I had them later at another restaurant. And they were very crisp. And so you got to leave them on longer than you think. Number three, did you smell the panties? I'm going to leave this one as a blind item and I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say no. Don't explain that one at all. Four, is there a better moment in the past year of WWE than when Shane beat Roman because it made that salaryman laugh so hard? Uh, sure as fuck wasn't. I wonder how that salaryman felt about when Shane McMahon was dubbed the best in the world. That's true. He could have watched it at bar 2.99 maybe. So... But yes, that's like I said earlier, that's one of my favorite moments of the trip. So thank you, Kelly, both for coming on the trip and for those great questions. Uh, Xavier Ramirez says, how can I find Western restrooms? Um, so this is a cool question because there are these uh, Japanese-style toilets, which are like these, basically these holes in the ground. Uh, Nicole can tell you all about it. She's sitting right next to me. <laughs> to tell her about the <laughs> hole in the ground. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, so yes, there are holes in the ground that you can squat over. Um, as far as I know, they're only in female. No, they're in male bathrooms. They're in male too. bathrooms yeah. too. Okay, well then I assume that would function. Hmm. I didn't want to know what goes on there. <laughs> <laughs> now thinking about it. But yeah, you squat over them like standing. It's it's very strange. Um I noped right out of a bathroom that had them. <laughs> But where can you find them on? Where can you find Western bathrooms? Honestly, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. I, I only had a nope out of one bathroom. <laughs> yeah, so and like, I'm pretty sure that bathroom actually did have a Western toilet in it. I was just not sure. Didn't want to wait and was a little just 
alarmed by the <laughs> by the Japanese style toilet because that was the first time I had encountered it and I didn't like I wasn't expecting it. So I was just like, I don't know what's going on here, and I left. Yeah. So there aren't that many <laughs> Japanese style toilets left, especially in big cities. I mean, the only place you're going to run into them really is like train station bathrooms sometimes, and other like very public bathrooms like parks will have them sometimes but even they usually have another stall that's also an american style toilet a western style toilet i should say you know more the toilet any one of us would know you know know and use so don't worry about the toilets you're not gonna you're not gonna run into that many japanese style toilets they're you know your your hotel will definitely have a western style toilet your airbnb will definitely have a western style toilet um, also places that have both sometimes label the doors as yeah. to which is which. Yeah. So you, it's not that big a deal. His other question is where do I, where do they have the best ramen? So there go to the, uh, basically here's, here's my general ramen advice. If you see a really long line, it's probably really good. Um, the longer the line, the better, honestly, if you see a place that's only open a few hours in the day, which is like the place our, our friend Ethan took us to and. Uh, this district called Okubo, which is like a, like almost like the Korean district, but this place that, that had really, really good miso ramen. I mean, these places that only specialize in one kind of ramen, first of all, probably make that kind of ramen really well. Um, you know, if you find a place that only does shio or only does miso or only does whatever, like you should de- definitely check that place out. There's one in Okubo we went to that was only open for like three hours every day that only does miso ramen. That was fucking awesome. So just look for a small place. Look for a place that has a big a big line. Look for a place that specializes in them. They're not hard to find. I do not even really need to give you specific recommendations. Every district will have like tons of places that that meet this criteria. So definitely, just you know, it's it's finding how to find good ramen in Tokyo. Find ramen. I mean, there's so much of good ramen there that you'll probably be fine. Um, I will give a specific recommendation and I will say, uh, if you really like ramen, if you're a fan of ramen, check out the Yokohama ramen museum. Um, I went there this trip really good. Um, uh, you can learn a little about the history of ramen and then they have a section, um, of this building that's sort of done up like 1940s Japan where they have, I think five or six different um, ramen places that serve different kinds of ramen. Um, Some of them are rotating, so they come in and out. And I think two or three are permanent. Um, But it's really great. You can go there. You can try um, a bunch of different ramens. They have what they call sort of um, every place that you go has a vending machine where you pick what you want. And each place has a sort of sample ramen, which is, I think, about 2 or $3. Um, it's supposedly a smaller size, um, but we did that when I went there, and the size is pretty big for $2 worth of ramen. Yeah. Um, but the sample size is so that you can try multiple different ones um, in the same trip. So I highly recommend that because you can get a bunch of different, you know, they explain the different types of ramen and then they have all of these different places where you can go and try uh, the different kinds. Like we had one that was rotating from um, a guy from Canada made it where they used maple butter in the ramen. 
which was wow. super interesting. Um, so I highly recommend that. Ichiran Ramen in Tokyo would probably be my other recommendation. Really good ramen served in you sort of sit in a hallway and you sit at sort of a individual stand in this hallway. So it's a sort of unique way to eat it. And the ramen's really good. You can choose all the different um, ways you want to enjoy your ramen. So those would be my two recommendations. Uh, so, so there's a lot of ramen, ramen ideas there. I mean, if you can find the place, I don't, I don't know the name. So if you can find that place in, uh, in Okubo that has like just miso ramen is only open three hours. That's the best ramen I've ever had in my entire life. So I just don't know the name. So good, best of luck to you. Um, the Matthew Duggan. So that this one I avoided answering or talking about earlier because I knew it was going to come up in this uh, this this question. Basically, Matthew Duggan basically says, "What's the best way to get tickets to shows prior to going in your experience?" And he says, "I'll be going on my for a second trip in January, and while I use a buy sumo tickets for my top priority shows, I plan on going to a more than dozen shows. The fees end up getting ridiculous. And he just keeps talk going on like that. Okay." Um, it's a it's a good question with not a great answer because first of all it, it well, constantly change okay go go ahead can i take this one yeah yeah go ahead because okay. i i have my own thing with with uh with the with the fan club which is honestly the best way to do it if you know somebody in japan but well it, i think he's talking about like all of these little shows I think I think he's talking more about how do I what's the best way to get tickets to the smaller shows. Yeah. Cuz beyond by sumo, I mean if you join the New Japan Fan Club as I'll let you talk about. But I sort of rank it in I sort of have a ranking of the way I get the tickets especially to the smaller shows, which is there's the um Tokyo Wrestling Schedule. What's the address of that website? Uh it's en. P-U-W-O-T-A.com. So it's Puwuota. So pure wrestling maniac, basically. Right. So I always check that site for the schedule. Um, And the schedule for, I would say, a majority of the shows will have a ticket button um, for the shows listed. So the first thing I always do is I check, I click on the ticket button and see if there's any way to buy the ticket through sort of the official source. So that's what I did on this trip for Tokyo Joshi. Yeah. Went on the website. You can sign up for an account in English, um, get the tickets. And then when you get to Japan, you just have to go to a family mart, uh, enter in the confirmation number or whatever the number they call it is. uh, And the tickets will, you get a little coupon, you take it to the register and they give you your tickets. Yeah. DDT. Anything related to DT is the easiest shit because they all do that that uh, the family mart thing. So DT, Tokyo Jersey, anything like that. You can even do a fan club presale for Universe if you want. If you want to get good seats, which is um, I think what I did for DDT for the DDT show or for Tokyo Joshi. Isn't that what we did? I think. I didn't oh, do the fa- I didn't do the fan presale, but I oh. did it through the I did it through the official. Okay. I, I did the fan presale because I, I front wrote of that. So. Um, um but yeah but either so, way whether you yeah. do it that way or that way it's just pay for it ahead of time and get your family mark code and take it to a family mark and you get the tickets that's easy dtz yes. so there's other 
there are a lot of other shows where the ticketing um, purchasing website, you have to essentially sign up with a Japanese account, um, which is you could essentially enter a fake Japanese address, but that gets complicated and you have to put your name in as Japanese and things like that. Yeah. So that's sort of out. So for those, the list always goes, I go to the official website and see, do they have a form that I can contact them um, if they do? So for stardom, for example, I went to a stardom show. They had a form on their website. I put in my name, the number of tickets I wanted. I had a message saying, hi, I'm coming from the United States. I tried purchasing on the ticketing website and I cannot because I'm from abroad and don't have a Japanese address. And they got back to me very quickly saying, yep, your tickets are confirmed. Yeah, so it, a lot of places will hold your tickets for you. Yes. So if there's nothing on the website or if you email an address on the website and they don't respond, I then go to uh, Twitter. If there's some sort of contact, an English contact or some sort of um, – you know, someone who maybe speaks your language, like, for example, Pumi, who does um, Got to Move, is sort of their English ticket representative. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm looking for two tickets. And he took care of that again, holding them at the door. Um, yeah, another thing too. is uh, direct messaging the promotion themselves on Twitter is something you could do. I did that for Oz Academy where I reached out to them and the ring announcer got back to me and said, Oh, we can hold tickets for you. Um, so they did that. And then the final thing is um, sometimes finding someone who's working on the show. Um, this is sort of the, the last resort, yeah. the least likely one. Uh, this is what I did actually for Noah because I couldn't get tickets on the website. I reached out through the official NOAA website. I direct messaged the NOAA account on Twitter and I got no responses. So at that point I was figuring that I would just have to buy them when I was in the country. But um, I knew Cosmo Sakamoto was working on the show. Uh, I know he knows at least some English and he has a thing on his Twitter bio that says, uh, you can talk to me for ticket reservations. So I reached out to him and asked, and a couple days later he got back to me and he held the tickets for me. So that was sort of the last resort. Um, I guess Nakamoto the, saved your ass. Yes. I guess <laughs> the very last, last resort would be if you know someone in the country yeah. who could buy for you, um, which is another option. But there are a bunch of options. And um, if, you know, if you don't hear back from someone – I like I never followed up with anyone to be like, hey, you never responded to my message because I figure mm -hmm. if they don't respond, they're not going to. Yeah. Um, I also had a. I, I always say keep your eyes peeled because for hard hit, um, I happened to be on the YMZ website looking at something, and they had a post about oh the YMZ fan club is going to hard hit the YMZ fan club because there was a there was a YMZ guy on the hard hit show. And they said, oh, if you want tickets, reach out to uh, Kerry Yonayama. And so I emailed, I ended up emailing her and saying, hey, I'm coming from abroad. I saw that you were talking about 
um, having tickets for this fan club. Is there any way that you can hold um, some tickets for me? She got back to me and ended up holding the tickets for me. That's a little bit of a probably won't happen that often for you, but just, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Sometimes on Twitter, you'll see someone say, Hey, I got, you know, in the past when I went to Japan, I got tickets for XYZ promotion through some channel that, you know, you'll be able to use in the future. Um, So those are sort of your options. You have a lot of options. And I saw 10 shows in this trip on Japan and I had tickets either I already had them or they were waiting for me at the show for every single show I saw. So it is possible uh, for a variety of promotions to get it done um, before and make sure that you have the tickets. I mean, if you have to do it the door too, you can too though, usually, but you'll pay 500 yen extra. Whereas the reservation ones, they usually don't charge the extra 500 yen. Yeah, they don't. I didn't get charged extra for any of the ones that I reserved. Yeah. So that's one thing. I mean, it's only $5. You have to do it. You have to do it. I mean, I did buy, I bought my tickets to the door for Oz Academy because I wasn't sure I was going to make it because it was the same day as my flight. And, you know, I bought tickets to the door for Michinoku Pro. Um, but, yeah, so first of all, by the way, for Dragon Gate, you can email Jay. That's a that's like the, the person you want to email for Dragon Gate. Uh, I think he has an email address just for tickets now, but let me just see who, what email address I sent it to. But, yeah, for, that's your hookup for Dragon Gate. Uh Let's see. Yeah, it's info at iheartdg.com. So, or info at shop-dg.com now. So you changed it. So that's where you go now for, uh, you just let them know what tickets you want, you know, what show, and he'll he'll hook those up. And we got ringside for that show, so that was awesome. Um, New Japan, none of that ticket reservation thing, stuff works for New Japan. Uh, New Japan is honestly the biggest pain in the ass because... So you will not be able to buy it online because they will only generally ship to Japanese addresses. So basically, you need you either have you're either stuck going through by sumo tickets, which is what you guys did, I think, right? Yeah, that's what we did, and it was um, it was a fairly painless. Obviously, the time we did the G one, they still had the website up, which was the easiest way to do it. Yeah, but that's um, but now. that doesn't exist anymore. And by sumo tickets, I found them to be very quick and very helpful. Um, they do have some extra fees, so I'm not sure you would want to use that for smaller shows. Yeah. Um, but for New Japan, just to do it and make sure you have them, I mean, they came back and they said, here's the price, and if you want to get in on the pre-sale, you know, it's an extra 500 yen or whatever it was. So they have options of, you know, if you just want to take your chance at the general on-sale, you have that, but if you want to make sure you get a, uh, you know, tickets at all or a certain type of ticket, you can join in the pre-sale. So that's an option as well. And and they were pretty good. They got the tickets to me. They were very um, responsive and helpful. So um, yeah, that certainly not a bad bad service, even though they're not as good as what New Japan was previously using. So there are some shows where they do offer some kind of foreigner ticket sale. But I would be careful with those because it's generally the crappiest seats usually that they put on sale for those. Um, you know, maybe it'll change in the future. But right now, wh- whenever I looked at it, it's always like the, the worst seat category or like only the two worst. If you want to sit ringside or something, which is what we did for Best Super Junior Finals. And, you know, if you want to get like the best seats or sometimes the only seats for some of these shows now, like the G1 Cork and Sold Out just in the fan club free sale uh, and New Year's Dash does every year too. 
you have to have a fan club membership, which to get a fan club membership, you have to have an address in Japan because they will only mail the tickets to an address in Japan. So basically make friends with somebody who lives in Japan. You know, I'm lucky enough to have uh, my friend Ethan lives there now. So, you know, I just used, you know, he was, he was nice to let me use his address and just gave me the tickets when I got there. But because they won't, you, they will not ship that fast enough for you to even get, have your friend mail them to you because they usually only ship them two weeks for the show. So you might already be in Japan, but it'll be in transit, which is also why like those, uh, like Tenzo and the, them, these, uh, you know, they, these services that, that offer like mail forwarding uh, that like give you a fake Japanese address, which, you know, some listeners might be familiar with. They will not do tickets. Like if you read it, they, they specifically say we will not work with tickets because they just do not want to risk, you know, you not getting the tickets in time. So they will not work with tickets at all. You need to have a, you know, someone in Japan to actually physically get the tickets to you and then give them to you. But that's the best option, obviously, to the only option is at ringside, you know, because the ringside tickets always sell out before in the fan club pre-sale. And the only option for, you know, lots of the shows even to go at all. So, uh, okay. So New Japan, uh, that, I mean, that's going to answer that question about tickets. Basically, just do your research and you can usually get tickets for almost every show. Uh, Iron Mike Spears at Fujiheya. What's the proper way to get to Chofu Heartful Hall if one wants to visit the secret base? So, Mike, unfortunately, I'm not entirely sure because it doesn't come up on Google Maps. But assuming it is in Chofu, which is like a uh, it's a ward outside of Tokyo. It's like right, you know, it's in Tokyo Prefecture, but it's outside of Tokyo proper. It's like to the west. Uh, it looks like the best option is going to be the Keio, uh, the Keio line, which is like a private railway line that will take you probably from Shinjuku over to Chofu. So it doesn't look like it's that far, maybe like 30 minutes. So there you go. Uh, at Shinmaru, how do you typically go about planning what non-wrestling related things you'll do when you're there? I'm trying to balance having a plan with leaving room for wandering and going wherever walking takes me. Um, so I'm very much one person that like likes to really have a solid plan of what I'm going to do uh, during the daytimes of trip. Like I make for this trip, I made like a Google Doc and had like you know each day with like the neighborhoods I'm going to go to. I mean, I, I leave plenty of room. You know, I put like specific things I want to see in each neighborhood, but you know, I also leave plenty of time to just wander around and see if we find stuff in that neighborhood. But I like to know, like, what, you know, here's this day I'm going to, you know, and I try to plan it geographically. So this day I'm going to go to Shibuya and Harajuku, which are both close together. This day I'm going to go to Ueno Park and, you know, this other thing close to Ueno Park. You know, this day I'm going to go here, that sort of thing. So, you know, I definitely try to plan out, you know, finding stuff to do. You can look on, there's a lot of great travel sites for Japan. Uh, there's japan-guide.com, which lists a ton of you know, typical tourist spots. Um, I think there's another one called Matcha, which is, you know, I've used a lot and they have great like neighborhood breakdowns of stuff. So if you you know specific neighborhood you want to go to, they'll list a ton of stuff. So basically just, just do a ton of research is my answer. I spend so much of my work time, <laughs> so much of my employer's money on looking up stuff for Japan. So I always end up planning out a ton more stuff than we ever even get to, but that's every trip, I guess. Uh, do you have any tips on this, Taylor? Uh, my strategy for this time was uh, for areas, I would sort of look at what's around there. I would make a list of sort of things to do um, and would probably have two or three where I would say, oh, these are things I definitely want to do. 
And then I would have maybe a few things that were uh, sort of more in the maybe category where I would go, you know, I would spend the day in XYZ place, especially in the second week, you know, Osaka, for example, um, like going to Nara, like we went to Nara one day. And so the top of the list is, you know, Nara Park. And so I definitely wanted to do that. So you do maybe the top three things that on your list that are definite. And then you see, well, what's the time? Is it, do we have many hours left or do we have 30 minutes left? Is the thing going to close? And then maybe if you've got some stuff on your maybe list, you go do that. Or maybe if you get there and you go, oh, you know, this thing on my maybe list, I don't really feel like doing it. That's the point where you wander or you do something else. So it's really, I sort of did a sort of basic, just sort of outline of things uh, that were in certain common locations, you know, oh, what's in, for example, in Tokyo, what's in Shinjuku that I really want to do? And then you're in Shinjuku, you do the few things and you decide, do I want to keep doing things? Do I want to wander around um, and go from there? So that that was my plan this time, which worked out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, always make sure you leave time to wander because you will find some really cool stuff that you just never could possibly research. Like my favorite example probably was in Shinjuku. We found this building, which we went to only because we were meeting Kelly there because he wanted to go to the Godzilla store. But the Godzilla store ended up being like one little corner of one floor and like every, you know, other floors had like other stuff. So we ended up finding like this whole like um, this Namco store that was all, all about the show that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I think it changes, but like we love that show. So it was great just seeing all this like stuff related to that show. Um, it had like an anime cafe that again changes that was all about Attack on Titan um it had like a, a store based all about adventure time which you know the american show which my girlfriend really likes so that was cool for her but yeah we never would have if we hadn't wandered into that we never would have you know found that just looking online or something especially since it seems like they're all they're all temporary spaces that change so um but yeah that was really cool um all right so at k-o-l-d-p-t uh, jose says well i get my ass kicked by yakuza if i visit kabuki show at night no you definitely will not um i went to kabuki show at night a, a bunch of different times by now it's like it's really not dangerous at all you know the most you're ever going to get is um it's a red light district people don't know i mean the most you're ever going to get is somebody telling you inviting you to get a massage quote unquote but you can easily ignore them it's not it's really not that hard um he's a more serious question debating going to a stardom corkin or a tokyo joshi show in Ita. Bashi, what's these two would you recommend? I mean, I like Tokyo Joshi more, but I would tell you to go to Stardom Corican. I mean, that's going to be a much bigger show. And, you know, Stardom Corkins are rarely ever bad. So, yeah, I would agree. Uh, EX Penalty Kick, did you guys get interviewed by Fuji TV on their show? When, why did you come to Japan? I did not. No, uh, but last time we were there, we were on Battleman. And oh, yeah, uh, cool. if people have not watched it yet uh the viceland documentary on stardom features john and i very heavily um especially during the points when they talk about the weird makeup of their crowds <laughs> yeah 
Uh, at the Underwally, is it easy to move around Osaka? Yes, there's a million train lines, just like Tokyo. It's not difficult at all. The Osaka Loop Line hits like a lot of the major districts. There's also subway lines. I mean, no, this, it's not difficult at all to move around Osaka. Yes, it's, Shin- oh, sorry, go ahead. It's very easy. It is a little bit uh, different than Tokyo. It has sort of a different feel, but it's still very easy to move around. Yeah. Is the Shinkansen the best option to travel between Osaka and Tokyo? Yeah, I mean, you could fly, but, like, I don't know why you'd bother. I mean, the flight is, I guess, faster. I don't, let me, I don't even see what the fucking flight is. Tokyo. To I don't think Osaka. the flight is. I don't think the flight is faster after you have to get to the airport. And Yeah. So the flight is about an hour and a half. Um, the train is about three hours uh, or two hours and 40 minutes to three hours, depending on which train you get. You'll probably be the three hour one because, um, you know, that's the one that, that works the JR pass. But, you know, like you said, you have to get to the airport before. The airports are outside of Osaka and Tokyo. And it probably ends up being about the same amount of time. Um, you know, now the flights can be very cheap because, in part because, uh, you know, they're competing with the JR pass. Like you can find a flight for like $46. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to fly, you can. But I think the Shinkansen is worth it just to ride the Shinkansen, which is an experience, you know, uh, to, you know, of itself, basically. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's a, you know, a very cool experience. I, I think it's, you know, very convenient. Obviously, you ride, you ride from central. It puts you right in the middle of the city, basically, when you get to Osaka. Like you're at... Shin Osaka, which is one stop from regular Osaka station. So it's just a, it's a much better way to travel, I think. Uh, it's the most convenient for sure. Um, you know, they also have buses, but the buses take a lot longer. They take, you know, uh, I think like f- almost five hours. Um, maybe longer, actually. Let me say Tokyo to Osaka bus. Tokyo to Osaka bus. Yes, that takes... Oh, oh my God. Okay. That takes nine hours, apparently. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. There are, there is like a, okay. That's like with subway stops too, though. There's like a four hour, four hour, five hour. I don't know. Point is, it takes a long time. Um, as far as, oh no, that's the Shinkansen. Yeah. It takes a long time. Don't go to Osaka by bus. And, you know, they, they do have overnight buses, which are cheaper. Um, you know, if, if you want to do it, you know, if you want to save money, you could do that, but it's just, it'll take a lot longer and, you know, sleeping on a bus chair is not very convenient. So, you know, both times I've done it, I did it by Shinkansen. That's what I would recommend doing. I don't know. Do you feel any differently, Taylor? You can tell people take an overnight bus. No, I feel the same. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's see at, or at R I M O R I N. Are there any bars that show G1 maybe in Shinjuku or by the do- or by the dome? Tour Yano spot maybe. I'm going to be in Tokyo when the tour is in Hiroshima and I need to see Mox eat some pumping bombers. Um okay, so first of all, Tor Yano does not let people in his fucking bar. From my experience, like he has his regulars. This is this happens a lot of Japanese bars, but like he has his regulars and that's it basically. So, you know, our group got turned down trying to get in there once and I've heard other foreigner groups get turned down, so it's just really hard to get into some Japanese bars. We got turned down trying to get into Dropkick this time. I think they were like filming something probably or some or closing or something. 
But if you can get a drop kick, which I've heard other foreigners say they can, which is like the DDT bar, I would in, in Shinjuku, and you can find it because it's very hard to find by Google Maps. That's probably your best bet. I imagine they would show it at drop kick. Um, so that would probably be your best bet. Um, they might show it at the hub bar. I know sometimes it's like a, a chain of like English pub style. I know sometimes they showed New Japan before. So that might be your other best bet if if they're doing it. But yeah, other than that, I don't have a ton of other great ideas, honestly. No, yeah, hub is a pretty good idea because I think that's I think they're like I don't know if it's every hub, but I think there is at least one hub that is a New Japan place. Yeah, they they've had like a they've had things with them before. Yeah, uh, at wrestling ratings, should Hard Hit have a women's division? If yes, please book the division's first match. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to book Nanai Takahashi against uh, against Yoshiko in a shoot fight. Like they actually have to fight each other. I'm trying to think like who's a. You know what I would see? I would see a. Karate ex <laughs> karate exhibition with um Mio so, um, Mio Momono. Okay. Just like with sushi. <laughs> because I think she I think she would be a fiery, you know. Sushi really if you watch the show, Sushi really got wrecked uh in a karate exhibition. And I think Mio would put up a put up a fight that would be fun to watch. Uh Let's see. At Mad Extreme, best food on the trip and best merch purchase. I I think my favorite food place was that fucking local yakiniku place we found in Osaka. That was so that good. was good. Yeah. Um, it was like yeah. Such a I mean, it was all place. good. Yeah. I mean, all the food's good, but like that yakiniku place because it was such a local place and it was still so cheap, but like all the food was so good. So I would definitely say that place if you're near. If you ever get off near on the Osaka Loop Line, it's Sakuranomiya. Just walk down the street from the station. I don't know the fucking name of the place, but if you walk down the street uh, out the west exit, um, you'll eventually hit this Yakinuka place. It's really hard to miss because it just has pictures of me outside of it. So um, I'll do sort of a strange one in that um, I don't know if this is a, this isn't a meal, but we had we had a few minutes before the um, Dragon Gate show at Corican, and we went to the Shake Shack at the Tokyo <laughs> Dome. And we had, um, they have Japan exclusive black sesame shakes. Oh, wow. Uh, that were really good. Only available in Japan, not available in the United States. It's the only thing we had because obviously we live in New York and we have Shake Shack. Um, so that would be recommended if you're in that area. I know obviously wrestling fans listening to this will be in the area for Korokin. Uh, so the Shake Shack black, I think it was black sesame. I think that's what it was called, black sesame shake or something like that. They have other ones too, by the way. I saw it in Rapungi, I think, a Shake Shack. So I, mean, I did not eat there because again, we have Shake Shack in New York, but yes, they do have that in Rapungi. Uh, okay, what best merch purchase? I loved, oh. I loved my. I didn't buy a lot of wrestling merch or really any at all. I don't think, but I loved all the Sailor Moon stuff I bought. I found this like this fucking sailor Uranus sword that I just put on display the stupid plastic sword, but it's so cool looking. That I put on display at my job because I have no shame. So 
I also bought this like I thought that I was buying a, a Sailor Venus pen, but it turned out I was buying a Sailor Venus like pointer. Like it extends out so far. It's like I could I feel like I'm I can fucking teach a class with this Sailor Venus thing. So yeah, that thing is awesome. Uh my purchase would be so there was a weird wrestling store in Osaka and Denden town uh, that was very random. Oh, yeah, that was so cool. And you, they you, had... You did find the place, I guess. Yeah, we found it. Yeah, we found um, that And they, they had sort of a bargain bin in the store that I went through, and I found a Pancrase uh, coffee table book um, that was 500 yen. I actually bought it not even knowing what it was, and it's a coffee table book with sort of um, shots of all their wrestlers. So they've got Suzuki. They actually have a nude Suzuki in uh, this coffee table book, but they've got sort of close-ups, action shots. They've got a list of all the foreigners. They've got shots of the title. So it was very cheap. Didn't know what it was. Uh, it's called Seed Pancrase 1993 to 1996 so that was probably the best one combination of off the beaten path and uh very cheap so that would be mine all right the last question thank god at hard to highlight uh and this kind of ties into what you just said what are some wrestling less known places you have been to shops restaurants museum arena and enjoy quite a bit um well i mean we already talked about bar 2.99 that one is fucking awesome and if you're in osaka and namba definitely make sure you go to that uh, and then I guess the other answer would be that shop in Osaka. If you come out the Denden Town, I don't think that's what the shop is called. Though. I think it's, I think it's like Nipponbashi, right? Yeah, Nipponbashi. If you go at exit one B. Yeah. So like, it, there's this DVD store that just happens to have a giant wrestling section in it. Um, you know that we just totally found by chance walking out of that stop on our way to Denden Town. So you know, just go out that go out that door. And you'll see the shop right there. That's filled with tons of wrestling stuff. I said I had no wrestling work for I forgot. I bought a pro wrestling wave keychain there, which is oh. really cool. The, the keychain just looks so cool, even though I don't watch wave that often. I was like, I have to buy this. So, yeah, I um, got a bunch of stuff. I also got a uh, Numero Uno VHS for oh. <laughs> three hundred for three hundred yen. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, that was a cool store. There was also a place I went the first time. I don't remember what it was called or where it was, so this is very unhelpful. <laughs> but it was a random um, room that had a bunch of – it had, like, every tiger mask mask that was ever used or something. Oh, I should like mention, that. too, that this reminds me. There is a store in – because I can actually give a recommendation that I know the place of. There is a store in uh, – I mentioned Nakano Broadway – if you, that has a lot of old wrestling masks, including a ton of Tiger masks. So one of those Manjake scores, if you get the English guide, it will say it has like old wrestling stuff. And they have like a bunch of really old WWF stuff too, which is very weird to see in, in the middle of Japan. But they have a lot of mass, like Lucha masks and Puro masks there for sale. So if you're looking to get a good place. Champion Shop, which is right next to the New Japan store near Korokin. It literally is very literally next door champion shop oh, it was closed uh, unfortunately when we went you can actually look it up and order online and they ship internationally uh but it's like totacon where they sort of have a variety of shirts and um 
videos and things like that. So that's another, it's sort of Totacons, the uh, a sort of very well known one that people go to, but Champion Shop also unfortunately couldn't go into the physical store. But um, based on the website, they've got a lot of great stuff. So check that out. And like I said, it's right next to the New Japan store. So very easy to get to. Yeah, I totally forgot about that one. All right. So we might already be over time. So we should wrap this up. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. Give me your Twitter plug. Uh, Twitter is uh, Tamembo, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O. Check it out. Wrestling Almost Kaze, episode 100.5, <laughs> coming out as soon as this episode hits the airwaves. So, uh, yeah. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase. Wrestling would not fit. Folks, we'll be back next week, uh, maybe a little more than a week, actually, because i probably go try to go back to a weekend recording. But I think next week will be our mid-year awards because it'll be the end of June. So we do that. We did that last year too. Had a fun time with it, but I don't know who the guests will be yet to figure that out. But mid-year awards, that should be the next episode. So definitely check that out. And folks, we will see you next time. Thank you as always for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>